It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Friday, March 10th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that was very happy for Tyson Forster getting his NHL debut. Yeah, I was happy for him. I, I just uh, There's other things that I have big questions about. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about from this game. We're going to do that. We're going to take an early look at the NHL playoff picture and get into the weekend matchup against the Pittsburgh Penguins all on today's show. You're Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Flyers. That is where you'll keep up to date with Flyers news, our episodes, all that good stuff. You can email the show at lockdownflyers at gmail. We've got a mailbag almost every week, so send us in your burning questions on the Flyers. Locked on Flyers is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. So subscribe to get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube, so subscribe there as well. Russ, we had the emergency call-up of Tyson Forster and Elliot Denoyer, uh, who both checked into the game last night in Carolina. Uh, that was unfortunately due to injuries to Wade Allison and Brendan Lemieux, who are day-to-day as of now. Um, they got banged up a little bit in the last game. Yeah, we're back to where Wade Allison can't get through a regular season. He just can't. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable. And they're going to have to come to grips with that at some point. Uh, you know, if he comes in at 850, great. If he wants like, you know, 1.2, 1.3, I, I, I can't do it. I got to have guys who could actually play. It's a shame. He's a great kid, but man, always hurt. I know. It's so frustrating because I'd actually been having the thought uh, just a few days ago. So sorry if it was my fault and I cursed it. But I was like, oh, wait, Allison's been playing for a while now. Like, no issues. Yeah. Like, this is great. I hope he ends up the season real well. But uh, such a bummer. Hopefully he does come back yeah. soon. So what that did do was create the emergency situation again with the suspension of Tony D'Angelo. Uh, Kiefer Bellows checked in, but they still had those couple of slots open as well. And uh, Elliot Denoyer came back up and Tyson Forster. And I think actually Torts did a really good job of putting Forster in the lineup on a line with Noah Cates yes. and Scott Lawton. I, I think good. that was the perfect place for him. It allowed him to be comfortable and do what he does best. And Noah Cates obviously is so defensively responsible that I think it, it was just a good kind of emergency backup system in case Forster got flustered out there, which he did not. Let's be clear. No, he didn't. But, but although I, he missed the net on the power play, he was a little nervous. A little. Yeah. But I, I just thought that was a good spot to put him in. It was. I mean, you know, he played well. He blocked shots. He wasn't like an offensive force or anything, but, you know, a couple chances. He got in on the net once. That's fine. I mean, I wasn't expecting anything from him, but I, I'm, I'm really at the end of my rope with certain players. Um, 
you know, James Van Riemsdyk, no shots on goal. Like, come on, man. I know at the end of the game, you got that hit in the face thing with the puck, whatever, you know, but whatever. No shots on goal. Like, come on. It, it's nearly impossible. I, I know Carolina blocks a lot of shots. I get it. But you're on the power play. You're playing, you know, with the extra man on the ice. Come on. Kevin Hayes, no mm-hmm. shots on goal. Like, come on. Again, and I see Kevin Hayes. He's not really engaging uh, in the corners or anything. He's looking for sort of like uh, prime opportunities to either pass yes. to somebody or someone to pass to him. But there's nobody doing any heavy work. And when this game gets to the uh, end of the game and all of a sudden you have the six on four going, nobody does the hard work. Nobody. There's not one person out there. So you're expecting like Owen Tippett and Morgan Frost to like basically run this entire power play and hope that somebody else tips something in or somebody gets a shot, but nobody goes to the net. Nobody does hard work in the corners. Nobody wins a face off. This is on the coaching staff too. This has not been right all year between the power play and that it's been awful. I do want to point out Carolina only had six block shots in, in this game. Oh, I thought they had and a few more. Okay. It, no. And they didn't really have to, frankly, because, yeah. you know, the rest of the defense worked really well to prevent the Flyers from getting shot opportunities. Um, I, I do want to say that I, I felt like Tyson Forster played a really defensively responsible game. And I think that was really important, you know, aside from individual plays on his part offensively. Uh, I think that was the key part to him having a successful game and to impress Tortorella. And I think he did just that well, between playing a defensively responsible game, blocking shots when, when he needed to. But I, I think to your point with Kevin Hayes and JVR, I think that really pulled Elliot Denoyer's game down a little bit with yeah. him not having as strong, you know, partners to work with out there, it really hinders the kind of game that Elliot Denoyer plays. And and you're right about Kevin Hayes in terms of, you know, just looking for the ideal situations. He had that one really strong play mm-hmm. in front of the net, mm-hmm. driving and trying to get that shot off. You know, it wasn't successful, but that shows what Kevin Hayes can do when right. he's engaged. And that was the one play was that, like, all, uh, that whole yeah. game. Yeah, I was like, oh, there's Kevin Hayes. Yeah. You know, that's that's when he does Kevin Hayes things and it's unacceptable. Um, yeah. It really is. I, I think so. And that's what was frustrating. And it does to hurt me, the honestly. kids too, because it's hard mm-hmm. for them to produce if these guys aren't really doing much out there. Yeah. And then, you know, that line with, with Frost and Tippett and Farabee, I think it's still a good combination and I think they should stick with it. A, I don't a think they should. Longer, I, but again, I think it's just, I think it's too frustrating for Farabee. I think he needs to get off that line. And it's not because he's not getting chances. It's maybe because he is getting chances. He needs to get different kind of chances. Um, When you can't bury a a breakaway like he had, he needs to just get on a line where he could shoot the puck. That's what's going to do it. It's just like his. And and having a breakaway like that. No, 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 but that's not his normal game. I mean, like shoot wrist shots and and try and get Mm. to score that way. Let him be on a line like that but to be on the top line i just think it's too much pressure on him and you could see every time he's missing uh he looks up at the board and it's worse for him maybe even sit him a game i mean we know he's not gonna you're not gonna be sitting him for lack of effort it's just something needs to change for him to try and get on track because this just isn't working it's 23 games now yeah i I, I just you know i I don't know what you do there because i know 
It's I'm just guessing, because of honestly, what combinations are out there yeah. available now, assuming that, you know, Forster and Denoyer go back down to the phantoms. Uh, I think that, you know, you can shuffle around a, a little bit there, but even if you put Fairby on a line with Elliot Denoyer, which I, you know, if he was still there, I don't think that's a terrible idea. I just, no, maybe something like that's that, a good thing. Cause then maybe he'd be like, all right, I just don't know that the opportunity is there because they're going to have to send them those guys back down. But if it's there, then sure. It might it be try. better to put them with the younger guys for the youthful energy and, and maybe they, um, that gets them going. You got to try something different. I think. Yeah. I, I was just, uh, I felt so bad for yeah. Joel Fairby. Oh yeah. It's game. just, it's, it's been a common refrain. Uh, one person we have not talked about yet is Felix Sandstrom. Yes, and he was great. Man, what a what a game! I I was so thrilled for him yep. because you know he's just felt like an afterthought on this team, and to get put in there against a team like Carolina, uh, especially when it's not a back to back situation, so it it didn't feel like forced yeah. to play him. It felt like an active choice to play him, and he really did an incredible job. I'm gonna say I'm disappointed in the. Uh... Carolina media here because they, you know, they put Svechnikov first star. That's fine. Uh, Kochekov second star. That's fine. Sandstrom should be the third star. Like, come on. Yeah. Brent Burns had a really good game. Don't get me wrong, but Sandstrom should be the third star. Like, come on guys. I also want to talk about the penalties because I think that was, you know, a huge part of the problem. Yeah. I mean, the penalties weren't great. Although Carolina was only one for four on the power play, but yeah, they, you know, the coach wasn't happy with the penalties. Obviously they, they came at bad times. They didn't look good. I have some problems with, with the coaching staff and what's being, not what's being conveyed to the players, but just what, how they're acting. And it doesn't seem like they're playing the game that the coaches want them to play. Sometimes they are, but a lot of times they aren't. And, you know, we're late in the season here now. And I, I just, you know, other than saying, yes, let's let's be harder to play against, and they are, I mean, just the offense is pathetic. It's pathetic. Yeah, I think that's where the first period of this game was more along the lines of the way that they wanted the Flyers to play, and then the Canes just took it up a notch as they are able to do, and right. the Flyers are not. And that's just kind of how it played out. But there are little things I think the Flyers can do better in terms yeah, of definitely... um, positioning and whatnot to get themselves in a better spot to get through the neutral zone more effectively. Because I'm going to say but... it like this, and I know the, the coach doesn't care, right? But if the Flyers are going to be a mediocre team next year, which they could be, and again, they're not going to actively try and tank. They're not even actively trying to tank now. It's just they're losing, and that's fine. I am i don't mind the fan base that segment of the fan base that likes their percentage going up for Bedard. I don't, I don't begrudge you that either. But what I'm saying is next year, um, you don't want to pay tickets for this. You don't want to be buying tickets for this. They have to figure out how to bring some offense to this team. Now I understand Konechny will be back and maybe a couple of the guys will be back, but they, you know, again, the coach has it in his head that they have to win two, one every night. He's going to have to ease up on that because you don't want this to be an unwatchable product. Otherwise, you know, the flyers, there's not going to be a lot of people in the stands next year. Otherwise. 
I think there's a lot to work on here, but I, I don't think the one nothing loss is like the worst we've seen. No, so no. I feel pretty good about the defensive yes, effort overall. And there was definitely some good things to take. Yeah, out of Sandstrom this one. was again, terrific. People, I mean, considering mm-hmm. he hasn't played in a while, great for him. Yeah. All right, we are going to switch gears in the next segment. We're going to talk about the current NHL playoff picture, what's going on there, and do some follow-up on yesterday's episode regarding the salary cap in one of our key prospects coming up next. The midway point of the NBA season's here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers... Get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained. Uh, maybe start betting uh, on Kevin Durant because all of a sudden, you know, he's in Phoenix and, and things are happening for them. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your first no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Russ. So yesterday on the show, we talked a lot about the Flyers' salary cap Mm -hmm. for next season and kind of what it would take to level that out and clear some cap space to have even an opportunity for the team to get better. And one of the portions of that discussion was uh, Flyers prospects who have not yet signed and could we get them in the picture and what that would would look like in terms of having some more guys on ELCs potentially being part of the solution cap wise. And uh, Emil Andre was one of those players we talked about. And, you know, was he going to sign an ELC this year and come over or not? And uh, he's finishing up his season over in Sweden right now. Yeah, he's... uh... He's played his last game for HV71, so the talk is that his original plan when he signed in 2020 was that he would sign an ELC and come over, and presumably he will do just that. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't, I, I have no way of knowing if he's going to change his plans, but I don't think he will. Now the question is, will he come over right now and play a little bit for the Phantoms, or is it going to be next year? Like that's the part you definitely don't know about, and it could go either way. We'll see. But, you know, as far as signing the ELC, it's it's probably coming. And, and that's good. I mean, he's he's had a really good season. You know, he played at the highest level there at the SHL. The the only thing, and, you know, I, I an article will come up tomorrow about Emil Andre on um, Philly Hockey Now. The only thing you have to worry about with him is, look, he, he's 5'8", 180. Well, really 5'9", sorry, 5'9", 183. Um, he is a little feisty, so he does hit. But he's got to stay away from the big hit. You know, he he's a good skater. His edge work is good, but he's not like a super fast skater. So the elusiveness, I think, is something that he could be better at. And maybe that's what he'll learn in his first year at Lehigh, because I think he needs to play at Lehigh next year for the whole season. Let him get acclimated. Uh, You know, if you want to bring him up at some point just to kind of show him off, fine. But I wouldn't expect him to be in the lineup, even if he looks great in camp. I would stay away from putting him right in the lineup because he probably will look good in camp because he's, he's a good player. But you do, you know, right. you do have to 
respect the fact that, hey, let him learn this game. Let him learn how to not get his, uh, you know, bell rung in games. And if he could do that, he could play at the NHL. I have no doubt he has all the other skills. So it's just hard. If I if I was going to tell you how many five foot nine defensemen there are in the league, it's not many. Right. It is really interesting to have him be so much so on the smaller side as a defenseman. I think as a forward, there's there's more you can get away yes. with being smaller. And so for a guy like him, he will need that adjustment time. Yeah. Absolutely. And and you're right, the Phantoms, you know, it's a perfect scenario for him yep. to get acclimated to the the flow of the game, which is very different in North America, and um, you'll get used to the hits. Uh, I certainly hope from a selfish perspective that he comes over and finishes out this season with the Phantoms. I would love to see, you know, the kind of game that he can provide added to what the Phantoms can do and maybe give him a chance to get a little further into what could be a playoff run for them. We're keeping our fingers crossed. Yeah, but crossed we don't know. Here. Like, he could be playing banged up. That's why I don't really want right. to make it seem like he doesn't want to or whatever if he doesn't come. We just don't know the circumstances, and it's hard to get some of that right. information overseas. It's just, even stats, you know, to get his final stats, is it, it, it's hard because sometimes websites are two or, three days, day, two or three days behind. So, but, you know, last I looked, he had 10 goals this year, and that's pretty good. So, uh, again, you know, whatever happens this year, um, I certainly would expect him to be getting an ELC in the, in the very near future yeah. and for him to, to come over and make a go of it at camp. Looking at the NHL playoff picture, I know it's not something that the Flyers are a part of, but it is happening nonetheless. And uh, just like talking about it and, and talking about these different teams and what they're doing to get there and what they're doing to prepare to face whatever opponent they could be in the first round, I think is very instructive for the Flyers. And in a league that is extremely copycat, finding your own niche to get there in a slightly different way, you know, to create some advantages is important. And mm -hmm. so it's important to keep an eye on what's going on around the league, you know, for that purpose alone, I think. And, you know, one, one of the more interesting things happening in the Eastern Conference are these two wildcard spots mm -hmm. that are open, which are currently occupied by the Islanders and Pens who faced each other. Uh, we're going to get into that game actually a, a little bit uh, in the next segment related to our weekend matchup against the Pens. But I don't think anybody wants to necessarily be in those wild card spots because your two potential opponents are the Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes. True, but currently, you know, you got to play whoever's on the uh, docket, and you never know weirder things can happen. Um, I I think the what it could come down to is I, I was looking at schedule, and I don't go by strength of schedule because there's nothing more misleading than strength of schedule really in any league because anybody can win in any game. But mm -hmm. I, I think Florida had the most home games with nine. And uh, that's something where they have some games in hand. And so some of those are home games too. And that could give them an edge on either the Islanders or the Penguins. But I still expect the Penguins to make it. I still think the Islanders are, they, you know, this was a big win for them for sure. Because had they lost this one, that would have, you know, lost a little ground to the Penguins themselves. They keep a little distance now. But just in the end, they could run out of runway at the very last minute, but right now they're 
you know, they're in a pretty good spot, but Florida's sort of hanging around and we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, Buffalo's clearly out of it now, giving up nine goals in right. a game. So that's, but Ottawa's still around too. I don't have as high a hopes for Ottawa as I, as I might for Florida um, trying to come back, but you know, you never know. Ottawa also has what? Um, I think they have a game in hand too. They have actually four on the Islanders and one on the Penguins. So, you know, they still have an outside chance, but they're, they've lost a little bit lately, but they have two games in hand on Florida too. So they're certainly still in it. Yeah. And uh, you know, stranger things have happened, but I, I think that the devils still have a shot at that top spot in the Metro right now. Um, you know, Carolina seems to have it. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get hand, it though. I think, but yeah. I know that's the thing is like, I think we're pretty much going to see a devil's Rangers. Yeah first round which i think will be incredible it it's fun it I've, I've attended a few and and they're always fun uh even last couple of years i've attended it and a lot of fun what happens though is uh devil's fans better go all in and, and buy up some tickets because otherwise right they're not going to have the, the the large part of the crowd there and that's something the devil's attendance actually has been really bad this year so you know, I would hope the Devils fans would really chip in for the playoffs here because otherwise you're going to hear a lot of Ranger fans uh, for your home game. So that that could be really annoying for them. Well, half of North Jersey are Rangers fans anyway. So that's true. <laughs> it doesn't really help. Uh, and then, no. of course, uh, the Leafs would end up playing the Lightning, which they're playing them anyhow. It's like a 99.5 percent. Yeah. Chance. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's just a matter of who has home ice. And, home ice, and and Tampa right. pretty much proved last year it doesn't even matter. So, nope. as long as Tampa's playing to doing Tampa things, I still think they're living in the Leafs' head. And the problem is, even if the Leafs are up three one in a series, three one in a game, Tampa's going to feel like <laughs> they could still come back, and the Leafs probably feel like they could still blow it. Like it's it's weird, but. I don't know how well, you're going to exercise it, that. It was three to one. <laughs> I know. A, a mantra out there. So uh, just briefly looking at the West, uh, definitely less interesting than the East, I think. Yes. Just because the East is so much stronger. But um, as of Thursday, before the games were played, uh, you know, Dallas is looking to play Edmonton. Um, Minnesota is looking to play Colorado. That actually should be interesting. The Wild have been playing uh, slightly better hockey, I think, overall recently. They have, but they're going to be snake bitten. They're going to have a terrible first round matchup. It's like that's that's what you have to think about, right? Is that yes. the Avs kind of know how to get there? So and the Avs, Georgiev's an upgrade in that. I think that's obvious at this point, and they're getting healthy. Yeah. You know, while we do talk about the East, the Avs are still the defending champs, and they certainly could win again. Dallas is having a great year. I love Jake Ottinger. Uh, they've made some good moves. They, um, they're they in a pretty good s- spot. And, and look, Vegas, if they get a goalie, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it's Jonathan Quick. I, I still think it's going to have to be Nate Thompson. But uh, I, I don't even know his status. They said he's a long time away from the ice, so I'm not even sure um, – what's happening with that. So that's a, another whole thing. Yeah. And I, I think Vegas is obviously going Logan all Thompson. in. Nate Thompson used to be with the Flyers. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You Vegas don't even pay attention to me, in. Rachel. Say <laughs> you just tune me out like everybody else. No, that's not true. <laughs> it's 
so Vegas is looking to play Winnipeg. The Kings are potentially going to play Seattle. That would be an interesting series. That's an interesting well. one because Seattle has managed to keep the score down in that Hackstall system. And, you know, Seattle has a lot of uh, balanced scoring. They do. Mm-hmm. They don't have like mega scorers on that team, but they got a lot of guys with, you know, like 35 to 40 points in that range. So they're, they're going to be dangerous. And, Fans there are going to be super excited for playoff hockey in that arena uh, year two, especially since year one, they kind of laid an egg. So that's uh, that'll be a fun one. I'm going to watch some of those games. We are going to preview the weekend matchup against the Pittsburgh Penguins coming up next. So, Russ, the Penguins had another just dreadful loss last night, uh, blowing, speaking of three to one leads mm-hmm. <laughs> that we just were, they blew a three to a one. Worst lead. lead in hockey. Worst, absolutely worst. Uh, wound up losing in overtime to uh, the Islanders, who they are neck and neck with in that race. For the wild card spots, uh, the Pens still have a couple of games in hand on the Islanders right now, but the Penguins have been in this mode right now where they're just finding ways to lose, and it's it's but they lose in overtime. That's the yeah. only benefit for them is they they have managed they've become the kings of the loser point. That's what I've noticed in in the last few weeks. Um, it's weird though. Uh, again, I still think you know their fan base, their their media is just over the top and how they're treating Hextall and acting, you know, like what's going on. Like you're, you're in pretty good. A lot of fire Hextalls. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. I mean, it's like if he makes the playoffs, he's not getting fired. I mean, let's just start there. So say what you want. It's not going to happen. I, I don't know what else they are really expecting. And like you said, their first round matchup is going to be horrific for them. So, Really, what are we talking about here? Like, was somebody else going to come in here, do a better job than Hextall and have them win the Metro? No. No, not with their core aging like this. So you hope there's another run in them. There probably isn't this year, at least. And whatever happens, happens. But as far as for the Flyers going, you know, the um, the way they used to be able to beat the Penguins in games had everything to do with Claude Giroux. And without Claude Giroux, it's a different story. And now. Sean so, Couturier. And Couturier, yeah. Sh- Couture did such a good job uh, shutting down Malkin in particular for for so long. And I I think that is a huge factor. Now, you know, obviously Malkin isn't what he used to be, um, but I think he's still pretty damn good. He's still pretty good. Exactly. And so I'm wondering where Noah Cates gets matched up here. Like, does he get the Couturier slot against? Malkin or do they put him up against Crosby they're going to put him up against Crosby um I guess the matchup in this game will be Granlin against Hayes can Kevin Hayes actually do better than Michael Granlin like that's how low the bar <laughs> that's is a here. race to the bottom I, but, but, I mean this is where the bar is like <laughs> that's how low the bar is right now Rachel like it's just you know, can Jeff Carter actually score against his old team? You know, like. Well, Jeff Carter has had a rough go of it recently. Oh, yeah. I think it's been one of the huge frustration amongst Penn's fans is like, yes. what is even Jeff Carter doing on the ice at this point? Yeah. Well, you know, they paid him money, so he's going to show <laughs> up. Um, but and they, and they traded Teddy Bluger, who I liked. I used to like him. He was a big spark plug. Guys, you have to watch out again. 
Brian Russ does really well against the Flyers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gensel will do well. Crosby, obviously. Crosby owns the Flyers. There's, just, there's no way around it. I think he's got more points against the Flyers than any team in hockey. So, But they could win the battle in net. I mean, that's certainly um, up and down for the Penguins. So they have a chance in the game. But the fact that it's in Pittsburgh and it's during the day, I think that works against the Flyers because they just had trouble in these day games. So, but again, if you have plans for the, you know, to go out and eat after this game, this game probably goes into overtime because that's what happens to all these Penguins games lately. So <laughs> just know that in advance. Right. right. Okay. That will do it for today's show. Uh, we will be back on Monday. We're going to recap the game against the Pens. Uh, we'll have our nemesis of the week as we do each and every Monday. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So send in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers, or you can email us at lockdownflyers at gmail. I am Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen today. Now make your next listen game to game NHL. It's every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game to game covers every game from across the NHL with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. It's available on your Locked On NHL feed wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.